what's up, homies? Welcome back to the Hot Links Golf Gambling Podcast here in the Outkick Bets Podcast feed. We're here to talk about the 2023 Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is going to be at Donald Ross's Detroit, Detroit Golf Club, which has been around for, I think, 100 plus years now. But this is a newer event somewhat on the PGA Tour. This will only be the fifth version fifth version of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I don't think I did very well in this event last year, so hopefully I can turn around because I need it. I am on a vicious slump. I got the homie Dan Z here to help me uh, discuss some of my bets, hopefully change my mind for the better or um, validate what I'm saying. Dan, you were at the Travelers last week. That was a goddamn nightmare for me from a betting experience, but how was it for you in a viewing experience? Tournament was cool, always is. Uh, went there on Friday, got there super early to watch uh, Scheffler, Rom, and Finau tee off uh, Friday morning about 7.30. Stuck around for, I don't know, maybe eight or nine hours watching the guys. I mean, it's great, dude. Going to going to pro golf events I actually find to be, well, I shouldn't say that because I've really only been to the Travelers, which I hear is a great experience. Um the people's championship i've heard people say like going to the masters is overrated like something you want to do once but like you'll go once and be like yeah i'd rather watch this on tv than be here um but i kind of just feel about sports in general that way like i kind of would rather just watch sports on tv from my couch with a bathroom and access to my own drinks and snacks than go to a game maybe i'm getting cynical in my old age but i I think that's kind of where i'm at Nah, man, I totally agree. I mean, I live out in L.A., so going to, like, a Lakers-Dodgers game is a pain in the ass. Like, you wouldn't believe with traffic and how expensive everything is. That definitely adds another wrinkle to it. I mean, like, I'd still much rather go to a New York Rangers game than watch one on TV, and I always try to go a couple times. I mean, I love that. But, like, I don't find NFL games all that great to attend in person. I don't think you get – I don't think you get – enough more out of the experience of being in an NFL game to justify the trouble that it's worth. Whereas like going to a Rangers game at Madison square garden is still a pain in the ass, especially living in Connecticut. You know, you got to take a train. You're talking about five hours of travel time, walking to the whatever, like just, you know, and dealing with all the, the prices and everything. But like the atmosphere is just, you can't recreate that. I feel like the NFL like just doesn't really have that. The ho- hockey is definitely the best sport to watch live. Yeah, and there's not a lot of breaks. Like, that's the problem with football. Like, there's just too much downtime. Like, there's just nothing happening. I mean, that's, you know, the argument, I guess, for baseball, too. But at least baseball generally takes place in the summer. You're kind of just outside. I love going Baseball's, to live baseball kind games. Of in, yeah, it's kind of just, it's more in the background. Like, an NFL game, you feel like you need to be into it. But at the same time, there's just so much downtime, and you can't see everything i don't know man i don't know how we got sidetracked here but i enjoyed the travelers um it was an okay event for me i did come on here and give out brian Harmon uh as a pick and i did hit him uh top 10 which was cool uh kind of got screwed on ricky fowler who i had top 10 uh he made a late bogey on 17 with a three putt from like 25 feet on the proper shelf which is inexplicable that cost him a top 10 What's that but, mean uh, on the proper shelf? I never heard that. Well, like a lot of a lot of greens are two tiered, 
So, like, you'll see three... If you're on the okay. wrong tier and you have to putt over a hill or down a big hill, um, you know, you're more likely to three-putt. This was Ricky got... Like, 17 is like that. The front of it... The front of the green and the back of the green are kind of shelved. And he was on the right level. So it wasn't even like he had to come up over the ridge and then, you know, just kind of misjudge that, which is more likely. He was on the proper level and just essentially missed what was... He three-putted from a very... A fairly straight lie from 30 feet, which he should never do. All right. I thought I knew what you meant, but I just wanted to explain it. I just wanted to hear it from you, make sure I was on the same page and the listeners are on the same page. Um, but yeah, I remember you sweating Brian Harmon to, to finish top 10. He ended up coming through for you, so that's nice. Um, that but guy's... I didn't use him in the pool, which is I'm so annoyed by because I texted you about this. and I was like, I'm going to use Harmon. And then I was like, nah, it's too risky. And I end up going with, you know, Finau, who just – I mean, we're going to talk a lot about him, but I'm not betting him. I hate him. He's never done anything for me positive, and he might be my least favorite golfer. Also, his episode of Full Swing, the Netflix doc, is the worst episode. Yeah. I actually never knew that Salt Lake City could be that, like, hood. Like he kind of made it seem like he was f- coming from Section 80 housing. I was like, wait, that's possible in Salt Lake City? I never... Section shit. 8. But what did I say, Section I 80? Yeah, I don't... Whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't get that vibe from Tony. Like, Oh, no, I mean, he's look, a fucking he... golfer. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I, it's, it's almost impossible for you to pitch to me that you were, like, broke growing up and became a pro golfer. It's like, you can't be broke and golf as a kid like it just those two things don't square i mean it made sense the way he told it where his dad set up pads in his in his in his garage and he just wailed it off the pad no i yeah yeah no i hear anyways we'll talk more about tony finau later he is the favorite tied with ricky fowler uh to win the the rocket mortgage classic um yeah like i said earlier my travelers championship was a nightmare I missed the cut with Siwoo Kim, Max Homa, uh, Betts. They both missed the cut, and I lost. <laughs> um, so that was no sweat going into the weekend with those two. My other three guys in the card, though, um, didn't cash for me either. I had Sepp Straka finished T38. He tied with Tom Kim, among other people. Um, Tom Kim I also had to win in top 20. So uh, all four of those bets between those two golfers lost. I took Victor Hovland to win and go top 10. He finished T29. I had hopes that Hovland would sneak in the back door on Sunday, uh, but they were quickly, um, I don't know. They had, those hopes quickly dried up. And Tom Kim just kind of... is the word you're looking for. Thank you. Um, and Tom Kim played pretty good, but was never really going to get home for not to win and definitely um and 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 was looking rough in the top 20 market um, I mean he had a blow he had Saturday. like this three hole blow up that pretty much like wrecked his tournament on Saturday like, right Oh I was actually thinking early when he made that 6 on number 10 and then he had like bo- he went like bogey double bogey Yeah I think he was plus right. 5 and 3 holes from like 11 to 13 on yeah, Saturday. Uh, so did he do it twice? He might have had two blowups. Yeah, he really struggled on those holes in particular. Um, I think entering strange. Sunday, he was minus 10 on the front nine and like plus three in the back nine. It was something st- stupid like that. It was, But it was very specific 
to that section of holes. I remember them talking about it. Um, a nine, I feel like nine might have been involved, but you might be right. It might have been 10, 11, and 12. But either way, like those holes were just an absolute disaster for Tom Kim, which is that sucks because you feel like you weren't wrong necessarily. Like, just what happened? Like three holes, it's, it was like in his head or something. But otherwise, he played like the all the stats show that he played well. Yeah. But like had just this weird, I don't know, mental mental gap or something. That's kind of how my season has went, at least recently. Like Hideki Matsuyama at, at Memorial was crushing it and then went like plus six and like three holes. Um to kind of to, to take him from minus nine to like minus three, and then struggled on those same holes the following day to take him out of the money for top twenty. So that's kind of how it's been going for me lately. Um, but I'm not really down to the dumps. I'm I'm down in twenty units a season, which sucks. But I'm switching yeah, so- my betting approach and hope I can get an outright home before the Open Championship and can turn the season around. I looked it up, and what I was talking about was Thursday. He went bogey, double, bogey, 10, 11, 12. So plus four on Thursday. And what you were referring to was him going bogey, double, double. So plus five on Saturday. So that's plus nine going into on those three holes. Plus nine on three holes. And in round two, he parred all of them. So plus nine on those three holes going into Sunday, which... Going into Sunday, he was five under. So, again, do the math. If he just makes par on those holes, he's 14 under, you know, going into the, the final round and, and gets home for you on at least a couple of your bets, I would think. Yeah, well, yeah, I had him top 20 in a win, so. Uh, I mean, he wasn't going to catch Keegan, but still, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Keegan, he won with minus 23 score, right? Yeah, with a fairly significant meltdown towards the end. But it was like, I don't know. I don't. I didn't even watch the end of it because I was so butthurt about my bets. But it was like a fairly, like risk-free meltdown in the sense that like no one was really catching him ever. Right. The big swing was at one point, Cantlay had a short putt that I believe would have gotten him. I think the way it's the way it worked was Cantlay ended up missing a short putt. Otherwise, it would have been one shot at that point. I believe it was Cantlay's bogey on 16, because then Bradley then bogeyed 16. Or no, maybe it was 17, because Cantlay had a birdie putt on 17 uh, that he missed that would have got, and it was short. It was like six feet. So apparently him and Ricky, who were in the same group, both struggled on that hole. Uh, But that would have gotten him to 21 under. And at the time... Bradley was making another I think it maybe maybe would have been two shots but either way it it had a chance but Cantlay just never really he missed a putt on a short putt on 16 he missed a short putt on 17 like that was two big shots that could have made it one shot you know and at that point like at the Travelers cuz sometimes they'll talk about how these guys don't know where they are at the Travelers you don't know where you are in the scores like early on the back but once you get to 15 there's a scoreboard on every hole so at that point, Bradley knew where he was. And so, you know, if it's one shot going to like 17 with that water lurking, who knows? But he 
they even showed it on the broadcast at one point. Bradley was standing on the 16th green, and he heard the groan and looked and like could tell, like could see from there that Cantley had missed a putt, and sort of I think at that point it was like, okay, we're good here. Yeah, put his mind to ease, took a took some of the pressure off his shoulders, and he was able to right close because it out. at that point Harmon and Blair were in at 20 under. It was like, well, I'm four shots ahead of them. Like I'm not, you know what I mean. But if Cantley gets to 21, 22. Now we're talking about some problems, possibly. Yeah, for sure. It bummed me out. I didn't have any money on Bradley. I, uh, I, I thought about it. I went with two of my guys that I won earlier this year with uh, Max Home at the Farmers, Siwoo Kim at Sony Open. I hit Keegan at Zozo, um, but he just didn't really pop very well on my model. Um, he is a New England guy, which I know is something that f- got you fired up in the editorial call. Because I actually thought he was from Connecticut. Yeah, it's so annoying. I, yeah. I I don't understand how they could spend the entire tournament being like, oh, it's his hometown event, hometown event, home, 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 home. Like, he's not from here. Stop saying that. No. In fact, and I wrote a story about this today, which I, I find fascinating. He's and from a I different get it, state. Right? He's from a different state. Two states away, by the way. Massachusetts is in between Vermont and Connecticut. So he's not even in the like the neighboring state. Now, look, let me say this very clearly. I don't like when people are like, oh, he wins in his hometown. Like, if you're from Corpus Christi, Texas, and you win a PGA event in Dallas, it's like, oh, he, the Texan wins in Texas. Like, yeah, that's true. But those cities are 400 miles apart. Like, so it is kind of silly how we, like, break things down by, like, borders. Because technically, Corpus Christi is farther from Dallas than Keegan Bradley's hometown, Woodstock, Vermont, is from Cromwell. So... In that aspect, I at least kind of see, but hometown has a very specific connotation. If a guy won a tournament in Dallas and he was from Corpus Christi, they wouldn't say hometown winner. That's not your hometown. You're not from there. No, but he is. It it annoys me. It also annoys me that they keep saying like, oh, we're coming to you from Hartford, Connecticut. It's not in Hartford. It's not in Hartford. Stop saying that. That's a very Connecticut-based take, though. I mean, how many cities in Connecticut anyone knows? If anyone lived in Cromwell and they were like, oh, you live in Hartford? They'd be like, no, I don't live in fucking Hartford. I live in Cromwell. We talked about this last week. It's because Hartford is a little hooder than people recognize. Hartford's awful. It was voted (laughs) the worst state capital in the country. With good reason. It's terrible. It's a horrible city. Hey, I believe it. doesn't have a good city. Yeah. No, I know. I've been a bunch of times. And I don't remember seeing a good city there. Oh, back to my Keegan Bradley thing. So he was born and raised in Vermont. Then his family moved to Massachusetts. Um, Actually, I think maybe Rhode Island first. They moved to Rhode Island, then moved to Massachusetts. Then he went to college in New York. So he has lived everywhere in New England except Connecticut. (laughs) Yeah. You cannot call him a hometown winner. That's it. Period. It's not his hometown. He typically really plays close. better in New England, though. I think that's kind of where that I totally, narrative I caught it. on. And it was fine for them to say, like, New Englander, like, the New Englander wins the New England, whatever. And, you know, when she asked, when Bellionis asked him the question, he said, like, this is for all the New England kids who have to sit inside in the winter and can't play golf. And I was like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that growing up in New England is not super conducive to being a professional golfer because you cannot play golf for five months. It's like baseball. They're like, why do all the great baseball players in America come from Texas, California, Florida? Because they can play baseball for 12 months. 
You can't do it in the north. Or hockey. Like, how come the hockey players all come from the north? Like, well, it's that's the climate. Like, the, it makes sense. I get it. Not his hometown. That's yeah. No, I hear you. That's a good rant. And uh, I'm also not a great, not a very big Keegan Bradley fan, as you know. So as I I do know, because I told I, we were talking about this the other day, and I was like, I was like Keegan, my boy, you know, your boy, and I was like, dude, we've argued about Keegan several times. You don't like Keegan. I talked to you but about. You didn't bet him. on him. But I at have his hometown before. tournament, Jeff. <laughs> you didn't back him at his hometown tournament. I knew. I I knew that. That technically wasn't his hometown. I did say though. I, I did think he was from Connecticut. I did. I did well, error in that. Of course you would. But I'm. They said I'm it like a, a million times. I'm an ignorant New Yorker. I just kind of look at Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut. Like I, I just lump them all in as like one state, and as New England. Um. Anyways, Keegan Bradley is actually in the field. Um. Not expecting no much shot. out of him, yeah. but he is one of no the favorites. Shot. No the, shot. The three favorites to win this tournament are one's my boy, one's your boy, and the other is a guy that uh, you hate. I kind of do. Tony Finau plus fourteen hundred, Ricky Fowler plus fourteen hundred, Colin Marikawa plus fourteen hundred. I took Ricky Fowler in a head-to-head matchup over Tony Finau, which isn't at our sponsor book DraftKings. You got to look around. I would suggest going to Caesars Sportsbook. Specifically to find this one since it's Fowler minus one fifteen, um, but I took Fowler over Finau. It's splitting hairs on my model. Fowler second, Finau's third. Um, but I Fowler's wanna, I just wanna, going I want to dive better. into your picks, but before we do that, there's a stat you usually give me, and I haven't heard it yet. I want to know what is the average odds of the winner here. Do you have that? I do. Because there's been four of them, right? This is the fifth year of this tournament. I, yeah, right? it, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tough because Nate Lashley, like some of the right, sites it wasn't even on the board, but Ron Close from Betsperts found him at plus twenty five thousand, so two hundred and fifty to one. So the average odds of the four winners are uh plus ten uh ten thousand five hundred. So hundred and five to one. Skewed a little bit by skewed well, if greatly. You take, if you take him out, what is it? Because what was Cam Davis? Do you have so, so Finau won last year. He's plus fourteen hundred. Cam Davis was a hundred to one in twenty twenty one. Bryson Finau was fourteen last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau won it in twenty twenty at six and to one like, odds. Yeah, he was. I remember that tournament. I remember him being like the far and away favorite, and then just wrecking it. And then, um, and then Nate Ashley won by. I almost have to recheck this, but he won by six strokes. The inaugural. 2019 so we've had mortgage classic it's actually interesting though four years of the tournament we've had two basically favorites for all intents and purposes win yeah and then two complete long shots but no one in that like middle range where we usually make a lot of our plays in that like 25 to 40 range where you and i like to make our plays that's been that's over at this event yeah three bombers too so i think that has been pointed out yes that is a kind of a trend that I, I followed, at least with a few of my picks here. Um you love Fowler. Are you are you are you betting Fowler? I'm assuming you're gonna include him in some lineup, right? Yeah, I mean I'll probably bet him because like I keep telling you, he's going to win a golf tournament and if I don't bet on him and he wins a golf tournament, I'm gonna be really upset. Um 
So I will probably use my plus 300 DraftKings odds boost to get Ricky to 17 to 1, which I'm fine swallowing Ricky at 17 to 1. Um, but like, you can't ignore what the guy's been doing. Like, it, it's the results are, it's, there's an argument to be made that outside of like Scheffler, Rom, you know, like actually, and he's been playing better than Rom, to be honest. Like, outside of Scotty Scheffler, has anyone played better golf in the last two months than Ricky Fowler? Like, I sent you these stats. They're unbelievable. He's got 14 top 25s in 19 events this season, three top fives in his last four events, seven top 15s in his last eight, and 10 top 20s in his last 11. That's the one that stands out to me. He missed the cut at the PGA Championship. But is otherwise 10 for 10 on top 20 in his last 10 events, excusing the the one missed cut. Like, that's an unreal run of golf. Yeah, he's ninth this season in total strokes gained on the PGA Tour. Which, why? Like, what, what else would he have to do? I guess... Does he play too much? Where I like where the, it, it screws up his average, or do they they do that by average, right? Um, total strokes gained is yeah, that yeah, it's ranked by average, yeah. So Scotty Scheffler is running away, number one. John Rom two, Terrell Hatton three, Rick uh, Rory four, Cantley five, Xander six, Fleetwood seven, Homa eight. Fowler, yeah, I can only assume nine. it's because those guys just they don't play that much and they just always do well. But I don't know, man. This run that Ricky's on, where he's you know been in the top, and actually I said top twenty, but you could really break it down and say top seventeen in ten of his last eleven events outside of one uh, missed cut at a major. But uh, like, I'll just, go as far as say he's probably having the best season of anyone who hasn't won this year. Uh, that I don't think is even in question. Well, Hatton hasn't won, right? And Hatton's, Hatton's put together some really good performances. So, but, like, it's the consistency, man. Like, the, it's unbelievable. Like, Fowler has top 25. Actually, top 20 in, like, 13 of 19 events. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he like, had a lot of good numbers, but all that's being baked into the number now. Now, now you got to pay a premium. And it's not even just like, oh, he's playing in these types, like the Rocket Mortgage Classic with a watered down field. Like we're talking about a top 10 at the Memorial, a top five at the U.S. Open. He should have been top 10 last week. But like I said, the late bogey in another elevated event, like he's played well in elevated events. 13th at the Players, obviously a very good event. 10th at the Phoenix Open, obviously a very good event. I mean, he's going to win a golf tournament. The question is, is it going to be this week? And I don't know if the course fits him, but I mean, look, dude, I mean, I would have thought no, but then he went out and shot a 60 at the travelers. Like he flirted with, you know, 59. So obviously the kid is in his game is in such a place right now where he can for sure go low and pile up birdies. I mean, look at how many birdies you talk about a birdie fest in this. I mean, how many times did they share the stat at the U S open? Like Ricky made more birdies at the U S open. I think than anyone ever had. He just also happened to make a ton of bogeys. At Fantasy National, over the last 36 rounds, Ricky Fowler's first and birdies gained. Birdies are better be. gained. I mean, he had to be. Like, yeah. he just birdies everything. It's crazy. These birdie fests, I really look at strokes gained, or par, par, par five scoring, excuse me. He's first in par five scoring. Sung J M crushes par fives. That's why he made my card. 
Yeah, yeah, in, in this in field. The, in the field. Yeah, in this field, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this game fits Fowler. There's, like, the only blemish is the proximity 75 to 100 bucket, but not everyone's going to be perfect on all the stats, especially when you have my model, which has probably too many stats, but he's still third on the, the key stat model. He's the best in the field in total strokes game over the last 24 rounds. He's putting really well on bent. I mean, there's... It all lines up for Ricky. Everyone's kind of expecting him to do it. Um, and I would say he's he's definitely having the best season of anyone in this field. But even, I would argue, even though Keegan's argue, won twice. And I would argue, though, that 14-1 to 1 for everything we just talked about is not that great. Like, that almost still feels like a little bit of a value number. Like, we're just not used to seeing Ricky Fowler at odds that short, at least not in the last couple of years. But if you replaced his name, but had all the same stats, like, you know, he's got the same odds as Colin Morikawa, who hasn't done anything of note recently. Uh, he's just ahead of Hideki Matsuyama, your guy who also has not been playing very good golf lately. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that 14 to one is, is a terrible number for a guy who's playing how he's playing right now. I don't disagree. I, I just simply think it's the right number and I don't see much value in it. And this is a full field tournament. I think 156 golfers. And I think because it's a birdie fest, you know, it does open the door for a bunch of people like this. Good. The Detroit golf club, has zero fucking defense. <laughs> like you're going to be able to just light that. They're going to be able to light this course up. And you know, I, we, you know, this better than definitely better than me, better than most people, but Ricky Fowler struggles to close out tournaments. Um, you know, so you're going to have to score in the final round and all four rounds really to win this one. So that's, that's yeah, he has had back-to-back bad Sundays, which is a little concerning. The U.S. Open, obviously, the meltdown—not not quite a meltdown, but just didn't play great. And he really didn't play great this week on Sunday. And and not that he was in contention, because again, he was so far behind. But like him finishing outside the top five, going into being in the second-to-last pairing uh, this week, feels like a a letdown for sure. And. I'm not making an anti-Ricky Fowler case. I'm just saying why I'm not betting him at 14-1. to That's it. Like, I, he's playing awesome. I, I agree that he should be the favorite. And, I, in fact, I bet him over Tony Fino. So, I mean, Tony Fino, his stats look good, but he is putting terribly lately. And he's, I mean, his just overall performance hasn't been good lately. I mean... 23 at Wells Fargo, okay, but 72nd, the PGA Championship, miscut at the Schwab, which probably shouldn't even been at. Uh, 32nd at the U.S. Open, 45th at the Travelers. He has lost at least, he's lost three strokes putting in his last five events. So, not putting well, and like, everyone who's done well or is placed in the top 10 in all four years of this tournament has picked up strokes on the on the greens. So that's why I'm fading Fee now. I'm also betting Marikawa over Justin Thomas this week. Um, both of, both the guys I like a lot. Colin Marikawa, as you know, as everyone knows, my favorite golfer. Um, these guys pretty much have the same challenge. 
except for Colin Marikawa is so much more consistent as a ball striker. You know, like neither one of them can putt. Technically, Justin Thomas is actually putting worse than Colin Marikawa, but Colin Marikawa stays dialed in with the irons. I think he's going to have a lot more birdie looks. Uh, Justin Thomas is a wizard around the green, but that doesn't really matter at this course because it's got like the highest greens in regulation percentage out of any course in the PGA Tour. Um, Colin Marikawa is playing better than Justin Thomas, even though he had a bounce back week for me last week, or for himself and for me. I bet him to beat Cam Young, and that was the only bet that I cashed on at the Traveler. So I'm pretty happy with Justin Thomas. And we talked about it before recording or off recording. Like I was in between back in Max Homa or Justin Thomas to have like a bounce back tournament. I went with Max Homa and obviously was wrong. You know, I would have made money on Justin Thomas that I bet him last week, but I just think from a consistency standpoint, I feel better about Colin Marikawa here than Justin Thomas. Um, Based on everything you said about Tony Fina, I don't know how you feel about Fowler Fina, but how do you feel about Marikawa, Justin Thomas? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I'm shocked, actually, that you're going to fade Justin Thomas at all this week, given that it, for the first time in a while, seemed like he found something over the last few days of the Travelers. So I'm a little shocked that you're going to bet that that was more of a mirage than his recent struggles. I just think it's an overreaction. Like last week, granted elevated field. He was what I saw him as high as 75 or uh, plus 7,500. And now he's plus 1800 again, non-elevated field, very easy course. His game sets up well here, but it's like, that is a big adjustment week over week. And I think the odds, like it makes more sense that it's more in line. Mark, how was, plus 1,400 is more in line with his odds recently than Justin Thomas. So I think there's a bit of an overreaction. You ever look at three balls? Yeah. I choked in a three-ball bet earlier, uh, I think at the U.S. Open. I did. I took Hovland over Cam Smith and someone else, and Cam Smith beat me. Um. Because they have Fowler as a slight favorite over – Finau and Homa in a three ball, which I think is interesting because you said 
that Finau is typically favored over Fowler? They're tied right now. Plus I meant in their in, in their matchup. Uh yeah. Yeah. It depends where you look, but Fowler's pretty much a favorite everywhere over Fino. Okay, so that makes sense then that he would be a slight favorite in that group against Fino and Homa. What is he plus one fifty or one fifty five? Yeah. One fifty five? I yeah. saw I saw it like an hour ago and I was doing my matchup uh breakdown or, or bets for, for the Rocket Mortgage. I entertained it, but Nah, I don't know. I just want to go straight up. I, I think there's a good chance Finau's struggles continue. And Homa sucked recently, too, but his his game fits pretty well for this course. <laughs> I say that, but Finau's the reigning champion. So we'll, well see. But see, that's the thing. Like, I think that's baked a lot into Finau's number based on his recent results, that he's a co-favorite here. Um, it's yeah. just because he won last year. Yeah, if he didn't win last year, he'd be with Tom Kim at plus two thousand somewhere around that. Justin at Thomas, least, right? Like, I mean, what is he? It's a non-elevated field, and everyone likes Tony Finau. People, he gets a lot of action. That's true, but his last man, he won at Mexico, which again was basically just him versus John Rom. And look, props for beating John Rom. But like Wells Fargo, twenty three, PGA seventy two, Charles Schwab cut, U.S. Open thirty two, last week forty five. Like, so besides, not inspiring results. Besides last week, all the other tournaments you could argue are at much tougher venues. Um, Mexico Open, his last win is at an absolute birdie fest, right? Like that's, and again, he is the reigning champion. I, I get it. I just I think I'm 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 yeah, locked I'm, in on I'm out on here. I'm out on Fino as well. I also think Fino will be very popular in, in pool formats, so I'll fade him there. And if he wins, I'm going to be screwed. That's pretty much where I look at it. I needed him to win last week, and he didn't. So, Which is usual. When I bet on Fino, he doesn't win and usually plays bad. And when I do, I mean, when I don't is when he'll end up winning. So he'll probably win. Well, he should your, fade me. In your defense, he huh, – no, I hope, I hope that's wrong because I have Fowler. Um in your defense, he his number got to a point where I thought about betting him last week. Usually, I think he's a bit overrated because he doesn't really win these big events. Obviously, he sucked last week, um, but this one's just too pricey. Um, a couple other looks that I have. I got the uh, – I, I went with Chris Kirk, who made me money a bunch of times last year and you lost me Kirk. money. Yeah, he lost me money the one time I bet him this year, but I, I do like Chris Kirk. Apparently, he's nasty with his wedges and short irons. He's top three um, at at the three proximity buckets inside 150 yards. So there's going to be a lot of approach shots at the Detroit Country Club in that range. So I think he's going to get a lot of birdie attempts or birdie looks. He sucks at putting, but he's putt really well in his three Rocket Mortgage Classic starts, plus six strokes in the green last year, plus two in 2021 plus three in 2020. So I think he go well here. He has actual win equity, right? He won the Honda Classic this year and not a comp course at all. I've said this a bunch of times and it's actually a whiff for me, this this narrative, this angle, but Honda Classic is at one of the toughest courses on tour. So if you can play well there, theoretically you can play well anywhere. Um, and again, he does well at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. At least he has in his first three starts, so. 
I'm on Chris Kirk. I got him at plus 6,000 uh, this morning. Right now at DraftKings, Chris Kirk is... Oh, no. Did I lose money? Did I lose value? Plus 5,000. So, got some closing line value there. Uh, who do you have on your card? I know you're kind of winging it. Do you, do you think of anyone? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I got... I got thoughts. Don't worry about that. I always have thoughts. Um, Give me I, one of them. I kind of like past champion Cam Davis. Um, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, it's kind of close your eyes and head to the window and turn it in and hope for the best. You know, he has been cut in three of the last four tournaments he's played in, but every one that he was cut at for the most part. I mean, the U.S. Open, obviously. And he just played terrible in the second round. Um, the Memorial elevated event. But, he he like, got it together played, for the PGA, right? Yeah, when he goes well, he goes really well. He finished sixth at the Players, seventh at the RBC Heritage, fourth at the PGA. Um, he shot a 63 on Sunday this past week, so he's coming off one of his better rounds, which, you know, if you believe in sort of things like carrying over some momentum. Um I don't necessarily, but I do like a guy coming off a, a really strong round like that, especially at a place where he's comfortable. Uh, he's won before. I believe he played well at this event last year, too. Obviously didn't win. Um, I think he was I, T-17 last year. I Yeah, I was, was it? I thought it was a little higher than that. I could be wrong. I'll pull it up but while I, you're talking. But I like I like Cam David. Like, there was a stretch at one point. He was 14th last year. So top 15 last year as well. Um, and it was really, he's had one bad round. I mean, and I guess bad is sort of a relative term, but he shot 73 in the second round last year. Every other round in his last nine at this course have been under, have been sub 70. So it's a course he knows well. He's coming off a 63, which I like a lot. And there was just a stretch last year or at one point where like Cam Davis just looked like the best golfer in the world. Like he just could not be stopped. And you know, you're just kind of hoping that this is one of those spots. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you on this one, but we went back and forth on it yesterday. I don't hate it. I know his recent farm has been shit, but, um, I think his course history or the way he plays really fits his course. I mean, but again, like we have to define recent form as being shit. Like he's hot. He's, Hot and cold. So, you know, it could be bad. But also when he's on, he can he can win. He has win equity. And that, I think, at 30 to 1 especially, you know, I, I don't – I like that a lot. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, to your point, outside of missed cuts, they're very respectable finishes, if not good finishes, right? So, I mean, you already gave the the – the finishes for Cam Davis at the tournaments he didn't miss the cut recently, so not gonna, um, I'm not gonna jump jump onto that point or join you there. But so are we gonna do a little? It looks like we have a little head-to-head brewing here that could be if you're interested. What's Because you like Chris was, Kirk at fifty to one, right? I was gonna throw out Matsuyama versus Fowler, even though I have Fowler over Fino. Do you want to go Hideki versus Fowler? I mean, if you're willing to give me that, I'll take that all day and 17 times on Sunday. All right. Oh, yeah. Let's do that one then. What was the Cam I'm, Davis idea you had? Who's he? Who's his matchup? No, Chris Kirk. You like Chris Kirk, who's 50 to one to win this tournament. I like Austin Eckroat, who's also 50 to one to win this tournament. 
I kind of like Austin Eckroad. I don't have I knew him on you my card. <laughs> I'd rather do Matsuyama versus Fowler. I mean, we could do both, but I don't. I don't want to fade Eckroad. He's been going well lately. Give some yeah. more analysis for Eckroad. Yeah, I mean, you talk about guys who need to putt well to win these birdie fests, and Austin Eckroad can certainly putt well, and he's also supremely capable of putting up low numbers. We've seen him do that several times in the last couple tournaments, including that incredible. Uh, closing 65 at the U.S. Open. I mean, last week at the Travelers, every round was sub 60, it was 68 or lower. He just didn't have that big round that he needed, but he still finished in the top 25. His last five performances are tied for second at the Byron Nelson, which people forget about because Jason Day's win overshadowed everything, but Ekro was right there. T16 at the Charles Schwab, T30 at the Memorial, T10 U.S. Open, T24 Travelers. So, Five consecutive top 30 finishes for Ekrot. He he is a, a super balanced golfer, which I know this isn't the type of course where like you're almost looking for a guy who dominates one sort of statistical category, whereas Ekrot's definitely um, a more balanced guy. He's 42nd in strokes gain total on the season, but like, you know, off the tee, 23rd approach 86 not great but a you know but but a positive approach 82nd in putting positive total driving 16th positive um he's he scrambles 31 like all of his strokes gain categories are positive like there's one red number and it's his putting average which is like he hits more but he's a good putter so that's sort of irrelevant quite honestly yeah he's been putting his ass off lately too picking up an average 2.4 strokes per event. Do you have his, his last splits? Five or can you get his splits for uh, different? Like, does he have a, a a split difference on different greens? I'm curious. I, I don't have that in front of me. His best I, I, putting green is bent grass, which is the green, uh, the grass used for Detroit Golf Club. Great. Even better. So I like Ekro quite a bit in that um 50 range, like I said, you know, that round at the U.S. Open where he shot 65 on a day where, you know, no one was shooting 65. Uh, it was very impressive. I would have liked to have seen a little more last week as far as, like, going low. But I don't know. I mean, for a guy at 50 to 1, I feel like his profile is certainly worth a shot at, at that number. He's 12th on my model, 14th on my stat model, second in trending over the last 24 rounds. Here's where his blemishes are, but I can explain them. Um, sh- strokes gain T to green on easy par 72s, which is something I lightly threw in my model. Um, but he's 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 a rookie, right? So he just doesn't have a lot of experience at easy courses. I think in a couple years that number is going to shoot up. And 98th in course history, which I have... Um, Heavily, or not heavily, but heavier weighted than the, the previous stat I just gave. He missed the cut in his only Rocket Mortgage start in 2021, which I don't even think he was even a full-time pro at the um, he turned that year. Pro, he turned pro that year. So okay. Know, it depends on possibly when he turned pro. but Right. I mean, he played, uh, at least on Fantasy National, he played the Rocket Mortgage uh, Classic, then went to the 3M Open a couple weeks later, but Wyndham, but... Then the rest, the next year was a lot of corn, uh, corn fairy tour events. He got second in the corn, um, corn fairy tour championship last year. So that's, I think, what put him on 
for a full-time um, status here on the PGA Tour. So he was, uh, I think, like a part-time PGA Tour pro at the Rocket Mortgage a couple of years ago. And, he and these events and are so important for these guys. Like these guys like him who need to gain, you know, exemption into majors and stuff like that and not have to qualify their way in. Like winning a tournament like this is it's life changing. And mm-hmm. that, that almost worries me a little bit. Right. That like that's a lot of pressure. I, on th- a young that's kind of how I feel about Fowler. I, I mean, he doesn't need this, but it's kind of like everyone's expecting him to win. Like you look at the first look PGA tour article, which I read when I preview all these events. And like one of the sections is Ricky's resurgence or Ricky's role and something like that. Like everyone kind of expects him almost like Tony Fina last year. Like people expected him to win and he came through and won, but I, I get the same vibe at a Fowler and I trying to completely hijack your Ekro point. No, I, but the difference between that and Fowler is Fowler's won five PGA tour. Events. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, not yeah like he's, sure. He knows the feeling. He knows what it takes to get that done. So I kind of, no, I, I, I tend to think he can, he can deal with it. He's been there. He's been there plenty of times. He's won literally five PGA Tour events, including a playoff over Rory McIlroy in 2012. He won a playoff over Sergio Garcia in 2015. Like this dude has gone head to head with some of the best and and has beaten them. So, Ekro missed the cut in 2021 Rocket Mortgage, but I don't even consider that because. Cam same. Davis missed back-to-back cuts and then won it in 2021. So yeah, same. So he he'll be all right. I like that look. I my thing that, that kept me away from him is that just a little too popular. So I you know I I'm applying my team sports logic into it, which probably doesn't even work or what doesn't do you mean make too sense. popular. It's just like I've I've read a lot of people like Austin Eckhart this week, so it's kind of like eh, I don't know if everyone's going to be on him, he's probably going to lose because that's how it works in team sports, right? You you don't want to go with the follow the herd when you're making bets, but that doesn't pertain to golf betting. So I like Eckhart. That's why I'm not going to accept the Kirk versus Eckhart matchup. The uh, third guy I have on my card is another one of your dudes, actually Ben On, uh, Korean guy. Um, I'll never forgive him. Oh no! What did he do? Is it is it when you took him over Denny McCarthy at the Memorial? That's, that's not his fault. Or wait, it's his did, fault. He played bad though, right? Yeah, he played bad. It's his <laughs> fault. Cost me twelve thousand dollars. You know what's surprising? He owes me twelve thousand dollars. He should let me caddy for him in an event. You know he's, he's on Twitter, right? And he's active on Twitter. I might have to hit him up. Yeah, he actually would probably respond as long as you weren't too like flagrant with him. But if you're if you just busted his balls, he might respond. Um, surprisingly enough, this guy's like one of the longest golfers off the tee this season. <laughs> he's fifth in driving distance. A dude crushes the ball and he's really good on these. Um, he's good on, on short par fours because, and long par fours for that matter. Cause it, he's just wailing the ball off the tee. So he's, Again, so he's good on par fours. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> He's good on long par fours, good on short par fours. Like, okay, well, so, I was looking know. at pre- a specific buckets, but I just have learned from you that when I throw in too many, too many numbers, it just gets confusing. So, but the way I said it was stupid anyway. So I should have just went with my standard, just throwing out numbers. Um, angles or, or or broadcasting but he's fourth in total strokes gain over the last 24 rounds 
He's 10th in my market mortgage power rankings, which is only showing slight value. He's got the 12th best odds, so not a, not a great, um, not like a, a bargain, I would say. But I haven't bet him yet. I'm a, looking to switch it up a little bit in this tournament, and I just think his just length off the tee is gonna is gonna help him here. So I went with him. He doesn't score as many birdies I would like, but he's first in this field in scrambling. So he's not going to give a lot of shots back to the field. Not that that's even possible at this shitty course or easy course. So Ben on got him top 20 at plus 180. Um, and I got him to win at plus 5,000. And then I'm going with uh, Ludwig Aberg, the uh, Sweden rookie who is a full-time PGA Tour because a PGA Tour pro because he was the best amateur golfer in the world at the end of last year. He another guy who just crushes the ball off the tee. He's picking up like five point seven strokes um, off the tee in his last two events. Twenty fifth, I think, at the uh, Canadian Open. Twenty fourth last week at the Travelers Open. Uh, he's gonna win tournaments. He's gonna be. Um, he's gonna be one of the more popular golfers. One of the best golfers on tour in a couple of years. Hopefully, I'm getting him early in this easy field and. I mean, if he just keeps crushing the ball off the tee, he's going to have a lot of short looks into the green. So we'll see how his wedges and short irons are. Any any Ludwig takes? Uh, I ended up going with Eckroat over him, but I was I was strongly considering him. So no, not a lot, of, no pushback from me. Last guy on my card here. I want Taylor Moore. Uh, I don't think I've bet him yet this year. He won at the Valspar, so he actually does have win equity. He's sneaky long off the tee, um, or at least top 40 in, in driving distance. Um, 29th in this field, actually, in driving distance. Um, good on short par fours. Actually has a pretty good um, birdie average. He's 25th and birdies are better um, over the last 36 rounds in this field. Uh, one of the better putters on tour. He's like top 10 for putting inside of 10 feet, 27th in strokes game putting. He's been terrible lately. Um, so hopefully that's a big reason why I got him at 6,500. But last year he was T6 at the Rocket Mortgage uh, Classic. He picked up nine strokes, T to green, six and approach, two on the green. So he went well here last year, has one earlier this year pretty long off the tee and can putt that's kind of the the formula i was looking for for several of my golfers so that rounds out my card went taylor moore ludwig auberg um ben on sung jm and chris kirk also two head-to-head matchups markow over justin thomas which is like my two little brothers fist fighting and then matsuyama um over fowler who i like fowler but i just uh, just want to bet with you. Oh, excuse me, Fowler over Finau, and then side bet me and you, Matsuyama over Fowler. Um, what else do you got in your card, if anything? I kind of want you to talk about Mark Hubbard because he like popped on your model, and I I've actually seen a little bit of him, and I'm I'm intrigued by a possible long shot, like if if a guy in that range, because again we've had two champions here who were long shots. Um, although Hubbard's not quite. As long a shot, I believe he's eighty to one right now. Long enough, though. Should should listeners take a 
take a flyer on uh, Mr. Hubbard? I mean, a lot of people are probably going to tell you that they sh- tell you that you should. He was sixth at the RBC Canadian, thirtieth at the Memorial, which elevated events pretty pretty sick uh, placement for him. Ninth at the Charles Schwab. He's he's went well at a couple tournaments this year. Missed the cut last week. My thing is he's lost strokes off the off the tee and seven of his last eight events. Now he's picking up strokes and approach. It's going to be easier to go off the tee because the rough isn't penal. The fairways are wide at Detroit golf club. Um, he's a terrible putter on, on, on bent Poa mix. Pretty good on bent though. Um, I don't know. My thing is I'm kind of been snake bitten by Mark Hubbard a bunch of times. Uh, or if, every time I bet him, he's, he's sucked for me. So he does, again, he does really well on my model eighth. Um, I think these odds have came down though. I thought he opened at like a hundred to one. Now he's down to 80 to one. Hmm. Pop it on models, bud. Yeah. He, if you bet Mark Hubbard, I would not hate it. Honestly, I wouldn't, but I just, I've, I've, uh, I've lost too much money with him over the last year and a half. So I'm not going to do it. Fair enough. That's all I got though in this this uh, Rock and Mortgage Classic. It's a longer yep. podcast than I was expecting, if I'm being honest, because um, this is a step down off of two back to back elevated events. But yeah, but we end up talking about why we don't go to sporting events, and then me getting mad about Keegan Bradley being called a hometown hero for a state he never even lived in. Yeah, I'm gonna have to include some of this in the like the episode info because. Uh, just to like forewarn listeners what they're getting. I into. mean, it was that was the meat of the content. Let's be honest. <laughs> it, really, it really was like 45 minutes of this or 30 minutes of this podcast is talking about non rocket mortgage stuff. Then we, uh, we, we, we sprung a whole bunch of bets on, on the listeners though, in the last, you know, period of this con of this, uh, podcast. So I think we did good work here, Dan. I'm excited. Always. Go visit or go, uh, follow, Dan on Twitter at the real Dan Zach, right? Is that your full yes, Twitter? Yes, sir. Name? It is. All right. You can follow me at Jeffrey underscore Clark. Please follow out at Outkick Bets. You can read me and Dan Z's betting content on Outkick.com backslash betting. Um, I'm not sure what the tournament is next week. I'll probably be back it's here the with Dan Scottish. Z. Is that next week? I thought it was next week. Is it not? I don't know. Now we got to figure it out for the listeners. I'm pretty sure it's next week. It is the John Deere Classic next week. Oh, shit. You're right. And then the Barbasol Championship, which I think is oh, the same week. because the, the Scottish doesn't count as it's not a – it's a DP World Tour event, I think, technically. But everyone's playing in it. It's on – it is on the PGA Tour schedule page. It's the same week as the Barbasol Championship, which I do remember. Yeah. And so then, this is like when Victor Hovland won at Mayakoba, but there was another tournament going on at the same time. Yeah. The Genesis Scottish like Open one. is always a tune-up for the for the Open Championship. It's the week before. Xander is the defending champion. I did forget about the John Deere. No one's going to be at that, I'm guessing. I mean, that's, the, that's like the big tournament for for everyone to possibly make the open, right? Like that's if Austin Eckroat doesn't win this week, all in on him at the John Deere. He's not in the field right now. They already have it. 
Uh, oh, they finalized it Friday. But he's not in it as of now, and it's, I mean, most of the names appear to be on here. Well, all right. Maybe we'll talk about the John Deere Classic. Hell no. All right. Well, definitely the Genesis Scottish <laughs> Open, I'll uh, have a Hot Links podcast for you guys, and I'll have something written up for the John Deere Classic. But until next time, peace, y'all. Peace.